chapter 6, Matthew chapter 6, lesson 31 in our journey through the Sermon on the Mount. It is amazing sometimes you realize that for Jesus to speak these words would have taken, oh, maybe a half an hour, 45 minutes, for us to really hear and understand what Jesus said in those few minutes. We've been studying 31 weeks and we're just almost halfway through. And each one of those weeks has been a good 35 to 50 minutes, depending on how long-winded the pastor is that night. And you start adding up all of that time. And yet, the wording here is not difficult. It's not a, a complex thing where we have to parse verbs and go through and, and define a, a tremendous amount of words. But yet, there is so many interconnections to the Scripture. And there's, how do we say this? Um, there is so much we need to learn about the simple things that are in the Word of God. How many would say amen to that? And so, let's just take our time. We, we went through, uh, the last time we were together, two weeks ago, that while Jesus was here on earth, there was no need for fasting, but Jesus said there would be. He, Jesus did fast himself. He give, has given us reasons to fast. And we look in the Bible in Acts chapter 13, we find that that was part of what the church was doing in Acts chapter 13. Now we come to our passage here. Let's start reading in verse 16. It says, Moreover, when ye fast, be not as the hypocrites of a sad countenance, for they disfigure their faces that they may appear unto men to fast. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. But thou, when thou fastest, anoint thine head and wash thy face, that thou appear not unto men to fast, but unto thy Father which is in secret. And thy Father which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. Now, to be of a sad countenance. How many of you have known someone who is of a perpetual sad countenance? I mean, they just walk into the room and the light's dim. Um, They always have something. I remember when I was working in the nursing home, um, we had a lady, and I'm trying to remember how exactly to pronounce her name. I'm sure she has passed from this life into next and will not be embarrassed by anything that I say. Uh, but it was a derivative uh, of the Greek uh, aletheia, uh, which means truth. And uh, I can't remember what actually wasn't aletheia, but it was something along those lines. And uh, she was one of the premier patients in the nursing home I worked in. Uh, I worked in the nursing home Uh, that was with Cox Medical Center in Springfield, Missouri, and it was the kind of nursing home where Grandma Cox was a patient. I mean, it was, whoo, you know, high society type thing and all of this. And 
this lady lived for the new medication. I mean, if there was something new that she could take. And I remember they had a special meeting. They called in all the orderlies and all the uh, nurses' aides and the LPNs and said, you know, uh, we'll just call her Alethea. She said, she's got a new medicine. It's called the Chicago pill. Uh, they have to ship it in from Chicago once a week for her to take this. And it's like, it was like, you know, this is 1984. And it was like $1,200 a pill. Now, I have no idea what it did, but it didn't do $1,200 worth of anything except enrich the pharmaceutical company that manufactured it. And because uh, it didn't change her any. I mean, she was waiting for another one on top of that. She had a list of meds that was just about that long, and they wanted everybody to be careful and know how dangerous if you... Uh, if you dropped one of these pills, you lost your job and all the I mean, just right down. We have people that the Pharisees described, they were, they were doing this spiritually. They, it said that they were of a sad countenance. That they actually disfigured their faces. They'd smear ashes on their faces. They, uh, they would not... Uh, uh, trim their beards, they would not wash their face, they would not take a bath while they were uh, fasting, and, and uh, they wanted everyone to know how spiritual they were. And Jesus said, listen, don't be as the hypocrites. Most of you were part of some other religion before you came here. And what was the goal of most of the people that went to your other type of religion before you came here? Who's going to win the most spiritual war? Who, who is going to be the one that we all look at? Who's got the biggest feather in their hat? Who's got the, the fanciest outfit on Easter Sunday? Who's got the most money for the building fund? Who's got, you know, it, it was all a show. And, and by the way, can we just throw this in? Don't they do the same thing at the bars and the nightclubs? Who can down the most of these? Who can make the biggest whatever? Who can split the seat of their pants out on the dance floor? I mean, I mean it's all, all these kinds of things. Who can dye their hair the brightest pink and the darkest orange? and still not have it burn her hair out and the roots and kill the hair. I mean, the people are all the time trying to find some way to express themselves and have everybody look at them. Could I just say, think about what's going on in the political realm in our country today. That's the end of that conversation. I mean, people are all the time trying, and God says, listen, when it comes to your worship for me, that's not a thing for everybody to look at and to peruse and to decide if everyone else is looking at you and trying to decide how spiritual you are, there's something wrong with your worship. Amen? Amen? That, not, that ought not to be the goal ever. 
Because if it's done for people to look and to see, then God's not going to accept it. And by the way, it's just as extreme, and we've used this to illustrate the issue of dress. I mean, we have, all you got to do is stand on the corner or walk down Steinway Street, and you are going to see the most outrageous examples of immodest attire, both of men and women, that more than you would ever want to see. But could you be more modest than the Amish dress and attire? But let me ask you a question. Could you draw more attention to you if you wore the most outrageous, immodest apparel than just putting on a gray smock and a black skirt and down? I mean, do you see what I'm saying? Both of them are just as wrong. Because why are they being done? They're being done because they want people to look at them. You know, someone said this a long time ago, and it's very true. When, when someone dyes their hair 15 different colors, I saw a motorcycle helmet with a purple mohawk right down the center of a white helmet. I think somebody got that stocking cap idea from the wintertime and put it on, glued it on their motorcycle helmet or something. But why do people? Because they're screaming for help. Amen? They want somebody to say, I care about you. Now, in my home, when I was growing up, if you wanted to do something outrageous, my dad had a real good cure for that. I'm not going to describe to you what he did, but I'll promise you, you never wanted to try that again. Amen? And you felt that you were very... Uh, uh, there was just a lot of attention to pay to you. It was all negative, but I mean, there was a lot of attention there. And it was, uh, it was attention that helped you understand that you didn't need to do something outrageous to get to talk to Dad. Uh, He let you know about that. Amen. Listen, when we're talking about worship, God is not impressed by how many miles you can walk on your knees and how much blood you can leave on the pavement. But people do that all the time. There's a big church up in Canada. I can't remember what city, but they have uh, two or three hundred steps into the main cathedral. And people will regularly go up those steps on their knees, leaving their blood on each step after several of them, in in order to try to gain favor with God. I'm glad that God says, listen, I don't want that kind of foolishness. Let's go to Isaiah chapter 58. And we'll see that this was nothing new. This was something that had been developing for generations when you lose the reality of, the re, of your relationship with God, you must replace it with something. Now, to give you a few ideas, while they would do all of these things, smear ashes on their face, not take a bath, leave their hair all messed up, uh, make sure that 
They did something so that they could cry and you could see the, the tears running down their ashen face like kind of like mascara runs and all of this. Uh, I mean, they wanted everybody to know while they were doing all of this, they were getting the reward that they wanted. There is a reason why people do things. And I'm not asking for a raise of hands, please do not. But many of you could give testimonies of being involved in self-destructive behavior. Why did you do it? I'll tell you what, there was some kind of reward that you had trained yourself to like. There was some kind of habit that was in it. This is why people do things. There are some people that like to hurt themselves because it makes them feel less guilty about the wrong things they've done. Now, wait a minute. We just preached on that. Who forgives sins? God does, doesn't he? When you do things to try to get forgiveness, you're, claim, you're really telling God that I'll take care of this on my own. That's blasphemy. When we talk about praying and fasting. In fact, it's in your outline here. They even could come up with a proverb, the blacker your face is now, the brighter it will shine in heaven. Almost sounds like Theodore Tetzel's. Anybody remember him? And the coin in the coffer rings, the soul from purgatory springs. Uh, that was the man that irritated Martin Luther into writing his 95 thesis. Uh, all of these things were done so that people could feel religious. God doesn't want you to feel religious. He wants you to know the reality of the presence of God in your life. Do you see the difference? Now, churches take several approaches, and we'll just chase this rabbit for a minute and get right back to our outline. How many of you have been in the big cathedral-type building? You walk in, oh, this must be what heaven's like. Well, that's one of the ways people, the churches designed to make you feel religious. Another way is they put a rock band on the platform and big speakers around. They play the same song 25 times and you're getting excited because everybody else is getting excited and you're moving with the grooving and all that kind of stuff. And you feel like something happened. It did. You probably lost more brain cells in that church service than you did when you used to go to the bar and get drunk. But it, something did happen. Now... What we're trying to do is get past those things and have a real living relationship with a real and living God. Amen? Now let's look at Isaiah 58, and uh, we'll try not to be too long here, but... It starts out, cry aloud, spare not, lift up thy voice like a trumpet, and show my people their transgression in the house of Jacob their sins. Yet they seek me daily and delight to know my ways as a nation that did righteousness and forsook not the ordinance of 
They are God. They ask of me the ordinance of justice. They take delight in approaching to God. Now, does that not sound like today's headlines? I mean, we have more people that talk more about God. How many remember this phrase? God bless. I mean, it's every, everybody uses that. Be careful. You might be asking God to bless some awful horrible things. Does anybody remember who started that God bless everywhere you go? How many people remember? Just a few. Bill Clinton. He's the one that started that, made that part of public speak. Why was that? <laughs> Do we have to answer that question? It was to cover up and avert people's eyes from looking at who and what he is. Listen. The people of Israel were saying, God, we fasted. Why aren't you answering us? That's verse 3. Wherefore have we fasted, say they, and thou seest not? Wherefore have we afflicted our soul, and thou takest no knowledge? Behold, in the day of your fast ye find pleasure and exact all your labors. Behold, ye fast for strife and debate, and to smite with the fist of wickedness. She, ye shall not fast as ye do this day to make your voice to be heard on high. Do you get the idea of what God is saying? You see, in those days, it was an agrarian culture. It was a subsistence society. If you did not work and get paid at the end of the day, you had no money to buy food for your family that night. This whole idea of fasting was a mandatory giving up of your food and your daily substance because if you didn't work, you spent the day praying, you didn't get paid. If you didn't get paid, you couldn't buy food and you didn't eat. But you see, they worked out a way to take care of all that. They worked out a way where they could fast and still have their income coming in, where they could still take care of all their business, transact all their business deals. They, they had ways around it, even to this day. Uh, I don't remember if anybody, um, a few years ago was the year of Jubilee in the land of Israel. That meant that uh, religious Jews were not supposed to till their fields for a year. So you know what they do? They lease them to their Arab or non-religious Jewish co-workers and the people who work the land and say, listen, we're going to give you your wages for the year. You're going to work. It's just that we're not going to work. It, it's, the farm is actually going to belong to you for this year. I mean, there's always a way to get around it. Isn't that what New York City is all about? This is not what God wants us to do. Islam, Ramadan. It's supposed to be a month of fasting. It's actually a month of feasting. As soon as the sun goes down, here comes the big meals. They've spent all day preparing and everything, and we just gorge ourselves. And as soon as the sun comes up, we clean the last bit and stuff in the last so that we do not feel the pangs of hunger. 
until the sun goes down the next day. That's not a fast that God wants. It's not that God wants you to suffer. But you know, telling this old body no every once in a while is just plain good exercise. Amen? Telling the flesh no. You don't need that. You think you do. But he said, listen, even if you do everything for the right, even if you go through all the right procedure, if you're not doing it for the right reasons in your heart, God is not going to accept that as a fast. They had somebody they hated. So they were fasting for God to destroy their enemies. To smite with the fist of wickedness. God says, I'm not going to hear those prayers. I'm not going to recognize that as a fast. That's ridiculous. He said, I don't want you to afflict your soul and bow down like a bulrush and have everyone gather around and watch you fast. That's what the hypocrites do. And by the way, they're everywhere. How many of you have hypocrites at work? They only show up for the paycheck. They really don't care about anything. Somebody would say, well, that's me. Oops, be careful. I have a reason. You have a reason to show up at work. It's so that you can do a good job and serve the Lord with the rest of your life. Amen? Put up with that, boss. They're helping you serve God. Amen? If you're doing it right. And the Bible tells us here that Jesus condemns their fast. He says, I'm not going to accept this. Verse 6, is this not the fast that I have chosen to loose the bands of wickedness? If you're struggling with sin in your life, this is a reason to fast. It says, to undo the heavy burdens. How many of you are carrying a heavy burden? You just don't know how to deal with the situation. You have sorrow in your soul. Fast. This is one of the reasons God gives us. Don't sit there and worry about it. Fast. Amen? It says, to let the oppressed go free. We need to fast. And that ye break every yoke. Sometimes before you were saved, you have certain things that you have attached your life to. They bind you. They control you. And even after you're saved, they follow you. You know, God doesn't, he's not going to give you your new body until you get to heaven. A yoke is something that controls you. Jesus said, take my yoke upon you. But sometimes we allow ourselves to be yoked up with the world. How are you going to break that yoke? Fasting. That's what it's all about. These are the biblical reasons to fast. It says, but thou, when thou fastest. And let's go back to Matthew chapter 6. Verse 17, But thou, when thou fastest, anoint thine head and wash thy face. Now, what that simply means is look normal. 
you're not trying to draw attention to yourself. You're trying to draw your attention to God. My dad used to have a saying. He said, some, some people eat to live. He said, we, we live to eat. You put God in front of your food. It'll change your perspective on things in a day. Amen? Every time you feel those hunger pangs come on, just, get, just pray. Now, it's not against the Bible to drink some water. In fact, you ought to drink plenty of water. Uh, you ought to drink some juice. Uh, if you're diabetic and you have problems with your insulin and all of that, don't really recommend that you fast. That way, you can give up other things. Um, somebody said, well, I'm going to give up all my television time to pray. You ought to do that anyway. Uh, I don't know anything good that's there. But look, what did David say in the book of Psalms? He says, Thou anointest my head with oil, my cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. When we're fasting, we're telling ourselves no so that we can spend more time with God. That ought to be a cause of rejoicing in our busy, crazy, chaotic, hectic schedules. Amen? The Bible says that you don't appear unto men to fast. And someone asked me, Pastor, why do you call for a day of fasting if no one's supposed to know uh, that we're fasting? Well, the idea here is that as a church, we fast together, just like we worship together. You ought to have a private time. If these burdens are in your soul, if you're struggling with life, you ought to have a time of private fasting between you and God that no one knows about. Now, we're not going to put a big sign on the front of the church church-wide day of prayer and fasting because we'd be doing exactly what the hypocrites do. Amen? But we do announce it to our members. We want you to be as involved as you possibly can. If you can do one meal, do one meal. Men, if you can only pray until midnight and you got to go home, pray till midnight and go home. Do what you can. Amen? Ladies, if you can only pray for half an hour, come from... Come for that half an hour. Join in and pray. Let's be mindful of one another. Let's seek not our glory or have someone look at us, but let's together as a church seek God's blessings. One more verse and then we'll be done. 1 John chapter 4. Herein, verse 17, herein is our love made perfect that we may have boldness in the day of judgment because as he is, so are we in this world. 
Now here's what it says, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment. When God looks at you, do you want to have confidence that what God is going to inspect and look in your life is going to be what is pleasing to him? Then you ought to have a little bit of fasting on your record. Amen? It just ought to be one of the things that you try to do. Do you love God more than you do the refrigerator? In the book of Philippians, it says, Whose God is their belly, who mind earthly things. This is part of the purpose of fasting. Again, our prayers don't change God. God doesn't say, oh, look at him down there. He just, nobody knows what he's going through. I'm going to have to just bless him. That's what we do. God doesn't work that way. When we pray, when we work, and when we look to God, what happens to us? God changes us, and it moves us closer to him, and then he can bless us because we're closer to God. Amen? This is what worship is all about, that we may have boldness when we face God. Boy, that's a scary thought, is it not? But if you want to have boldness, Let's let God's love do its work in us that God, seeing it, will know what is going on. And by the way, I don't think I need to say this, but if, if it needs to be said, we'll just get it out there. Don't call some other person on the phone or another person in the church and say, what are you doing on the fasting day? Oh, I think I can do that. Okay, I'll do what you... Don't do that. That's not going to help you. The whole idea is you getting along with God. Now, just a few, few ideas. If, if your person has a very sensitive digestive physiology, uh, you can get some clear uh, uh, juices like cranberry juice. Don't do a lot of grape juice that'll, that could uh, injure you uh, there, uh, be too much. Uh, apple juice, uh, maybe even some clear chicken bouillon. How long does it take to put a cube in a cup and make a cup of bouillon and, and drink a little broth if it's just getting too painful? Um, just a few things like that to get you the idea in fasting is to spend time in prayer. That's why when, when we pray, men, what we normally do is we'll go around the group that is there, and I praise God for some of the groups that we've had come out, and we'll take a few-minute break, get a cup of coffee, keep you, keep you going till 3 or 4 in the morning. It gets, you get really tired if you're just spending all your time trying to stay awake. Are you praying? No. 
You're trying to stay awake. You're not accomplishing anything. It's the same way with skipping a meal. If you're spending all your time just sitting there going, oh, I can't stand the hunger. I don't know what I'm going to do. Are you praying? Well, I'm saying words, but you're not praying. You're thinking about all the suffering you're going through. You're doing exactly what the Bible says not to do. Go get a glass of juice. Go get a cup of chicken broth. Go get something. Just don't go sit down at the restaurant and spend a whole 45 minutes waiting on the meal and eating the whole thing, and then you have to digest the whole thing and all of that kind of stuff. You're trying to rearrange your schedule to get time to pray. Amen? That's what we're trying to do tomorrow. And let's ask God to work in people's lives. To break the bonds of wickedness. Amen? To ease the burdens. I think we ought to remember the Herring family in prayer tomorrow. They've got a tremendous burden they're carrying right now. They've got a little four-year-old boy they have to bury. It takes a lot of trust to trust God in a time like that. Amen? We need to pray for them. We need to pray for the people that have untold problems and difficulties that they can't talk about in church. They just say, I have an unspoken request. We need to pray for them. Amen? And, and I'll tell you, as your pastor, I, I could use a little more prayer as your pastor to lead in the right direction. If you want better preaching, pray harder. All right? God does work in response to our prayers. And we want God to keep our attention focused on Him not on the next card trick that's coming out of the White House. Amen? Pray about that. We don't need any more sleight of hand. We need God to work. Amen? Pray. Don't sit there and worry about it. I was talking to some preachers from out west. They say, you can't buy guns or ammunition or anything out west. It's all, all the stores shelves are empty. That's a scary thought, is it not? Uh, you're not going to protect yourself that way. You want me to tell you how to protect yourself? Pray. Fast and pray. Amen. Let's see what God will do. When we started these things a couple years ago, got back into the habit of doing this, we've seen our attendance increase by... We were running about 75. On a good Sunday, we'd have 80. Now, on a good Sunday, we're over 100. That's pretty serious growth. That's more growth than we've seen in a long time. I'd like to see the Lord do some incredible things through our church. Amen? Praying fast about our missions. There's no way we can support every missionary that comes through. But... Sure, I'd like to support as many as God will allow us to. Pray. That's what it's all about. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we come before you. We ask now that you would take us. and, Lord, that you would take this day.
and use it to your honor, to your glory. Lord, that we would not get all caught up in what we will and won't and what we can and can't, and, but Lord, that we would get all caught up in spending more time in prayer. We ask you to work in our midst. We ask that our worship would be to you, not to anyone or anything else. In Jesus' name we pray, and we'll take just a moment if you'd like to slip out of your seat and spend a few moments at an old-fashioned altar.